Welcome to the Augusta Golf Show podcast. Now, here's John Patrick. Our friend Michael Bamberger writes for the Fire Pit Collective. You can read his work on the website, firepitcollective.com. It's a pleasure to welcome Michael Bamberger back to the Augusta Golf Show. How are you, Michael? Always a pleasure, John. I, I associate your voice with the uh, the spring flower of Augusta, but now we're now we're talking about fall golf. Uh, uh, always nice to be with you. And I love. I know we're supposed to love the spring around here, but I love the fall. I think golf ought to be played wearing sweaters. Uh, I'm with you. And uh, here in the Northeast, our greens are never better than they are really come November uh, when they're they're dry and they're fast and. Uh, the ball really moves. You, the Fire Pit Collective, you seem to be working a lot. You seem to be enjoying it. Is, is this fun? Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's been, I've had nothing but good jobs. I would never say otherwise. But this job has the most freedom and the most range because we're, you know, I'm still writing, which of course is my main thing. We do these, um, oh, there's a phrase for digital shorts, what I would think of as mini documentaries. Mm-hmm. But then there's a third element to it, which evidently is a big part of my job doing podcasts. What my bosses don't know is that I would talk about golf for free. So the <laughs> fact that you know, podcasting, talking about golf is considered part of my job is actually half a joke, but that's fine with me. One of your recent articles about the um, live event that took place in Boston, uh, that event in and of itself seemed to stir some interest. Do you think, do you think, this this is gaining some traction? Well, I don't see how it couldn't gain traction because they've got Dustin Johnson and Sergio Garcia and, you know, we'll have Bubba Watson and Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau. In other words, you have we have a niche sport. We're, we're attracted, you and I, and, you know, a few million other people are attracted to a niche sport. But within that niche, these are some of the best-known names in golf. So, if they're playing tournament golf, no matter what they're playing for, and of course they're playing for massive sums, but uh, it would be hard to imagine people not being interested. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, yes, there, there's going to be interest, and there's I don't see how there could be anything other than, than growing interest. And of course, as you know, as we all know, it's been controversial, and contra- controversy of course draws interest. Do you think if they pick up a streaming partner, that would help with the traction? Well, I, ma- I, you know, I imagine they're going down that road because someone's got to pay the bills around here. Yeah. Uh, although maybe not. Maybe the Saudi princes are happy just to keep writing checks. But uh, that's not an area I would know anything really about. Uh, two of our colleagues, Bob Harrigan, Alan Shipnuck, uh, uh, they've really devoted themselves to to a study to reporting that kind of thing. But I don't, I don't see how they couldn't. I was, I was shocked how easy it was to. I have not follow it um on the internet or really at all until that uh, boston event the actual event itself and i'm surprised you type in live golf on youtube and you click a button and and there's the tournament on your laptop and it kind of looks like you know watching it on regular broadcast tv i was i was surprised by all of that do you think the pga tour was caught by surprise michael no i don't see how they uh they could be uh uh this has been they couldn't possibly have been caught by surprise because I wasn't caught by surprise and they would know way more than I, uh, you know, and, and dozens of other uh, reporters and people who are, who are around the game. Uh, 
you know, they knew it was coming. It was, but with all the other things going on between, uh, uh, you know, most most significantly the pandemic and the challenges of dealing with that, uh, I don't think it was necessarily the highest priority. Uh, and I remember speaking to Greg Norman uh, at the peak of the pandemic, and uh, and his attitude was, "We will wait this out." Uh, and I was sort of thinking, like, you know, no one's going to want to get on a plane to go play. Uh, no American golfer like a Dustin Johnson is going to want to get on a plane and fly all over the world to play tournament golf in the wake of this pandemic. And uh, that's been proven already to be wrong. We're talking with Michael Bamberger here on the Augusta Golf Show. As you observe all of this, Michael, and, and I'm asking you to do something that's probably unfair. A year from now, where do you think these two factions are? Do you think, do you think it's maybe where we are right now? I think, well, there'll be a growing comfort level and um, on the public's part that there's now another tour out there called, called Live Golf. And, and some of your favorite golfers uh, maybe are even playing on it. And uh, for the public, I think it'll be another place to uh, to satisfy your, your, your need to watch golf. Uh, between the organizing bodies, let's say the PGA Tour and Live Golf specifically, or Augusta National and, and, and other uh, bodies that put on tournaments, PGA of America, role of role RNA, USGA, uh, I don't think we'll have anything like detente uh, a year from now, but this next part I'm stealing, uh, it's just too fast. Uh, there's too much hurt and, and, and beyond the hurt, there's too much competition for, for money and, and, and viewers. <clears throat> but for the, but so you asked a, about a year, but let's look at five years in this, this next part. I'm stealing directly from Mark King, the former uh, CEO of Taylor made. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I've, I've used this quote uh, in, in a story, um, he expects in five years it'll just be another tour among other tours, and and there won't be that much fussing about it. Uh, that sounds right to me, but 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 who could possibly know? Do you think in the near future, Michael, the defections have slowed down a little bit, or will slow down a little bit? I think they will slow down from the from the PGA Tour uh, because. Uh, Monaghan and uh, and the other uh, PGA Tour uh, executives have made it very attractive to stay on the PGA Tour. Uh, there's more money. Uh, there's more big tournaments. There's more opportunities for the best players to gather at the same time, as you know, with this whole notion of uh, of, of elevated elevated events. Uh, you're still on the PGA Tour. Well, I was going to say you still have the right to pick and choose your schedule, but that's that's actually less true now than it was. Uh, two months ago, people who follow closely know exactly what I'm speaking of. Uh, this sort of commitment that these top players have made to play all these uh, elevated events. Um, so I think on the PJ Tour, yes, but uh, I think the Asian Tour will develop its own uh, talent. Uh, uh, the former European Tour, the DP World Tour, will as well. And then, of course, uh, one of the one of the biggest things is to what degree will. Uh, to live golf recruiters be successful in getting amateur talent, you know, really high level amateur talent, like kids who win the U S amateurs and British amateurs uh, to go straight to live golf. And uh, I think they'll be interested in, in doing that. Um, some of those players, uh, well, as, as, as all of us who follow the masters now, if you win a USAM or run up in a USAM, you win a British am you're in the masters. Well, once you're in the masters, you're sort of the main player, even if it's only, you know, for, 
for a brief period of time. And if they make the calculation that some of those players can really de- develop into into big talent, they already are big talent, so they went to win these uh, these these prized amateur events, and they start recruiting those players. Uh, that that will be you wouldn't call those defections, but you would call the significant losses for the PGA Tour because that's a very traditional pool for PGA Tour talent. You mentioned the elevated events on the PGA Tour. Would any of this have happened, Michael, without Liv? No. Uh, hmm. No, and that, that is an underlying issue here. That the, the PGA Tour, in my opinion, did get complacent and was sort of trotting out the, uh, the same events the same way for, you know, raising the purses a little bit every year, but really not keeping its eye on the prize which in my opinion would be, is the public engaged? Uh, and uh, I don't know the numbers. I don't follow this sort of thing closely. And you, you may know far better than I, but uh, uh, viewership is down and viewership is getting older. And uh, uh, the PGA Tour was, I think, in a stagnant place. So uh, so this was a wake-up call to the PGA Tour, and probably one that, uh, that it needed. You know, I, I think many, many people would say uh, – I don't know the number, let's say roughly 40 weeks a year of 72-hole stroke play events on courses that are often not very exciting to watch on TV, uh, to look at uh, uh, via TV, um, did not make for a very dynamic tour in a lot of ways. Do you do you sense the tenor of things changed when Liv filed the lawsuit? Now, let's see. What lawsuit was that? That was there. They were they were filing suit. So to say that uh, they couldn't block you if you joined the live tour, they couldn't stop you from playing the FedEx Cup events. Is that correct? Well, yes, they they still want access to those to the to the tour, frankly. Right. Uh, no, I don't think that, I think that was sort of a red herring thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, we had uh, the. The legal, the former CNN legal analyst uh, Jeff Tubin on a podcast, Alan Shipnuck and I did, and uh, uh, he was explaining the the uh, the issues of that suit. He's a lawyer, and um, it didn't sound like it, they had much of a case uh, to him. And uh, so, what I would really be doing is mimicking what 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 he said here. But uh, uh, no, I don't. I don't think that was a very significant thing. He also said there was a legal term to describe the. Uh, the lawsuit of uh, Patrick Reed against Brandel Chambly and uh, Golf Channel and NBC Sports. And he said the legal term was a joke. And he predicted <laughs> that would get dismissed very quickly. He is Michael Bamberger. He writes for the Fire Pit Collective. He also does podcasts for the Fire Pit Collective. That's where you can read his work and see what he does and hear what he does. Michael, thank you for saying yes to this. I deeply well, appreciate it. Well, always a pleasure. It. It's always nice to hear your voice. Thank you for having me.